What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook as I try to keep my voice together to stop the hair in the back of my throat for trying to uh, throw me off. This is the summer of Lions, Lions summer. Welcome. As we here at Pride of Detroit roll on, we have lots to get to today, so we'll jump right in. You can watch us live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit every, every Monday for the POD cast. And of course, we have plenty more offerings over there, be it First Byte, various other streams, Spotify Live, which went over time over the weekend. So welcome. Welcome to the Empire. And if you're listening on the podcast feed itself, thank you. Thank you for putting up with everything we do. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. So let's start. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. We have some, a very special guest with us. We'll get to a second. Let's get the rest of everyone here. Uh, going Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, uh, sunned and burned from the punting competition for beat writers, the very nerdy thing that happens out there. Welcome, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me again, Chris. Appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad I'm always welcome here. You, you, you are always welcome here on your own podcast. You <laughs> help co-host. Yes. As always, you does, are does, part of this. I'm just I'm happy I'm, I'm still allowed to be here, even though I didn't win the, the, the beat writer skills competition i guess is what they're calling great it. great shame upon us yes <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm happy i'm still get to be here i don't know about you uh <laughs> ryan matthews at ryan underscore pod he is the shadow governor of the pod cast after all i i, I don't know what that means <laughs> um but uh jeremy calling that a skills competition is an insult i think to skills how dare you you weren't asked, there you didn't I, see it I asked Jeremy before we we jumped on, like, so with you with you doing that, do you at least appreciate punters a little bit more now? And he still said no. So well, he doesn't care about kickers because it's so easy, right, Jeremy? Two for two. That's right. We're, we're, we'll Goose talk Island a little bit more part. of that. It maybe maybe in the in the scraps. We have so. a very special guest to get to here. Um, for two years now, we have been offering charity. Uh, we've been running various charities, and we've been uh, raffling off appearances for the pod cast and in true pod cast fashion we are now getting to them we're going to have on some of the guests lauren moore is with us hello more lauren hello thank you for having me so lauren you can find her on twitter at lauren with a e l a u r e n got got g-o-t popula p-o-p-u-l-a um so you you have popula is that is that how i'm supposed to read that <laughs> I'm so popular. No, not at all. Um, I actually um, was in a ska band uh, when I was in high school, college, um, and I was the drummer for our band and the only girl. And so we decided to name our band Betty Got Popular. Oh, I was about to say the name of that band was popular turned into my like little. Yeah. And of course, everybody (laughs) thinks it's so funny to go and say, are you your name Betty? It's like, yeah, no. I was about to I was about to make the joke and say, like, the name of that band was the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. (laughs) Which officially they just uh, uh, broke up this year. Oh, oh, did they? I know, big loss. Someone, late, someone, late, late breaking news on the podcast. Yeah, my, my <laughs> big, middle big school self news. is very sad. <laughs> but yeah, no, Lauren is. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you for for all of the generous donations to our friends who we have supported through the years. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about like you're you're going to be joining us through the the rest of the P, the POD cast because that was the prize. Um, you want to tell us like a little bit about yourself, like how'd you get into like being a Lions fan or? Yeah. So, um, born and raised here in, uh, Metro Detroit. So, um, just growing up, obviously, um, a Detroit sports fan in general, um, I was definitely more of a daddy's girl. 
um, growing up. So like, you know, I always spent more time hanging out with him, um, working on cars, watching sports and all that kind of stuff. And it kind of grew into my, my own obsession. So like, you know, I live and breathe, uh, Pistons, Lions, Red Wings, all of that. Um, so obviously as part of that, you know, got huge into sports podcasts and found you guys. So, um, super thankful to be here. Um, wanted to give a quick shout out to the Caskey family. Yeah. I uh, did do the charity, um, that I was a part of and, uh, also shout out to you guys. Cause I mean, you guys put all this kind of stuff on, you have been doing it for over two years of, uh, these awesome charity events. And I just think it's really cool. Um, you know, so mad props to you guys. Appreciate that. We, we like to, we like to say we're like, I mean, we, we like to be a community. So I, I, I was, when Jeremy said we were raffling off, like the ideas of people joining the, uh, the POD cast, I'm like, all right, well, we've, we've always, I've always liked to have POD cast as a platform where I can hand the mic and yank someone up on stage. Like it's like a, like a reggae show, keeping with the, uh, keeping with the, the theme of music here, we're going and just that, like 50 people up on stage with a microphone to pass around. And that was such a special fun night with, with Kyle Kasky and, and his wife, Kayla. And that was good. We, we were doing karaoke all night. And, and at one point Kyle grabbed a, a guitar of his own and did his, did like an acapella version of ice ice baby if i oh if i remember God. correctly uh it was it was so much fun and yeah unfortunately we can't continue to do the the live karaoke here on our twitch platform but we're we're trying to find other ways to to make it fun and, and continue to give to, to charities we care about maybe like a live karaoke show maybe maybe, maybe. as maybe. we start opening up we'll see Let's get into some of the, uh, so Lauren, Lauren will be part of the whole podcast. We've got a mailbag to get to. We got some mini camp stuff. Uh, I want to start though with the big news of the week and, um, it's got Detroit, Detroit sports sphere in a tizzy because it's the big story we have. John Penasini is announcing his retirement from football at age 25, very young, but Penasini, who has been a favorite for a lot of people uh, for probably for a lot of the reason for the name, but also one of those stories you really want to root for that, um, you know, late round, late round draft, late round draft pick played, you know, 32 career games started in 12 of them. Uh, You know, just a, just a big, big fighter, but he has decided to make his announce on Instagram. He's made the decision to retire from football. He's going to miss his teammates and the coaching staff. But I'm glad I got to experience. I'm happy and excited for whatever my life has for me. So, Jeremy, uh, I guess I'll lead it off to you. Like, how do you feel about this? What kind of precipitated Penasini deciding to retire? Yeah, I mean, it, we, we don't really have the answer to, to why exactly he retired. Um, but, I mean, usually when it is a young player like this, retiring it, it's one of two things it's falling out of love of, with the game or it's kind of injury related don't, you know you don't you want to put your body through that and as a nose tackle you have to put your body through a lot and so I, I have to imagine that's probably what it was you know we, we heard that kind of horrific story about after his rookie year he had these golf ball sized calcium uh deposits build up in his shoulders to a point where he couldn't even lift his shoulders over you know over his head or lift his arms over his head I should say um, and, and, you know, he, he got through last season healthy, but, um, you know, he, the, the other facet of this is like, he wasn't a great scheme fit for what the lines are trying to change to do. He isn't kind of that quick, fast, first, fast, uh, fast, first step, um, that you need kind of maybe in a three tech or a one tech. Um, he's just pure nose tackle and the lines just aren't going to have a pure nose tackle on their defense much anymore. They, they, they're just not going to line up with one. So, maybe that factored into it at all. Um, it's he's a guy that I thought was going to have to fight for a roster spot if he stuck around. So in terms of like a loss for the, for the team in, in terms of a player, it's probably not that big of a deal. Um, but Todd Walsh was talking today and how much of a deal it was for him to lose Penasini as a player, because he was a really, really hard working guy. I, I talked to his college coach um, right after the lines drafted and, and that dude is a fighter. So um, it's clear something I, I would imagine personal came up where it's just like, he didn't want to do this to his body anymore. He didn't want to, you know, maybe has something else that, that, that he's a little more passionate about doing. So um, again, you, you don't, you want to, you don't want to make assumptions about a guy like this, but I don't think it was a matter of just like kind of giving up football because he didn't like it or, or didn't want to put, you know, didn't want to put in the effort that that certainly isn't what's happening here. Yeah. The, the other interesting thing, I think um, it, it's not really, Penasini related 
uh, specifically, but like I, I saw the photos of Deshaun Elliott um, and there, there's another Lions player too, but they, they went to go do some like cooking at a, uh, at a pizza shop um, mm-hmm. because Deshaun Elliott was talking about like, you know, life after football, he, he's interested in getting into culinary stuff. But I, I think that's kind of just where my mind went with Penasini immediately because it is so early in his career for him to step away from football. But, you know, um, football players aren't football robots. And uh, I, I think, you know, without, without doing too much guesstimating or, um, you know, uh, speaking uh you know out, out of turn I, I think that probably he just made a decision where i'm ready to maybe move on with my life and, and do something else lauren how do you feel on uh well you have any good memories on penicini how do you feel about his well i mean away? it is a little bit disappointing that we're losing a um name bracket um contender <laughs> true you know? I, I, may, but, I might just keep uh, him around just just for the heck of it because you gotta you gotta name the name bracket after him like the yeah. penicini memorial bracket <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, there's not really too much more to um, offer, especially when with the fact that you guys said we still don't at this point know exactly um, what the cause is for him walking away. Um, I think my biggest thing, though, is I just hope not to see um, a lot of like, you know, Penasini slander out there from right. um, any of the fan bases like I you can't judge somebody for wanting to do something different with what these guys do um, for a living and what they put their bodies through. Um, I, it's interesting to see, you have to wonder like, is, did Andrew Luck start a trend where yeah, these people yeah. are starting to want to walk away, um, you know, at a much earlier age and this, you know, with that, that risk scenario of, um, you know, is it worth what I'm what I'm doing for my sacrifice in my long-term um, health? Um, so you know, it just bottom line is like it stinks to lose them for sure. Um, I have to imagine my, my assumption is it probably had to be injury more than likely. That's kind of what the vibe I get. But yeah. um, even if it's not for him to want to, um, you know, make a move to do something else for in his life, um, I fully support it. And I hope that everybody else can get behind him, too. Yeah. And I mean, like you, you mentioned you mentioned Andrew Luck there. And I think like not just, you know, Chris Borland, I think, retired very young. He retired at 24. Yeah. Um, Penasini's about the same age there. And I mean. For Lions fans, I, I completely agree with you. Like, I don't want to see Lions fans kind of demean him for this because, like, Jer- Jeremy mentioned it with, like, the calcified golf ball-sized crap in his shoulders, too. Like, and I just think of the horror stories we'd hear out of Calvin Johnson, too. Like, this is a brutal sport. It's yeah. fun. It's fun. And a lot of guys get great opportunities. But it's uh, as as working with guys in radio, national, they always make the joke about, you know, NFL means not for long. So you got to have to think about, what always what comes after absolutely two two quick things uh one is it's kind of bizarre because this was actually the second retirement of a, of a Lions player last week uh undrafted rookie corner Jermaine Waller was the other we didn't really get a a, a reasoning for that one either but um, maybe, maybe even a little bit more bizarre since it, we're talking about an undrafted rookie usually those guys come into camp and are just like really hungry really ready to go um again like he had a a a mountain to climb to, to make a, to make the roster, but maybe, yeah, you know, considering that the lines, a couple undrafted rookies made it last year, there was always a chance. And then just kind of on a, on a, a bit of a lighter note, um, this one also goes down as another notch in the Jeremy Reisman Jersey curse, because I was about to say, you've, you've really crushed Mrs. Ruby with this. I may or may not have bought our, our good friend, Mrs. Ruby, a Mrs. John Ruby, our fairy godmother Jersey. for food. Uh, I bought her a John Penasini jersey. I broke my own code of buying a Lions player jersey, and uh, look what happened. You monster. <laughs> I'm it doesn't, sorry. Even, doesn't even matter if you transfer ownership, Jeremy. <laughs> I guess it, not. If nope. it's if it's your money, <laughs> only bad it's like, things. It's are like the come. devil, it's like the devil's bottle or whatever that story was. But to be clear, like someone bought me a Jared Davis jersey. Or was it Jared Davis? I think it was Jared Davis. It just has to come into contact with you. It just has to come into contact. It has to at some point be under my name, whether it's on the receipt or on the mailing address, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so what does this um well, I'll consider this a round table and I'll throw this question out to the rest of you. Like, do, how do you guys feel? Because losing Penasini is a big blow to what I would say is is de- tackle at defensive te- uh, the excuse me, depth at defensive tackle. I can speak. It is a blow to depth of defensive tackle, even though he didn't really fit what the Lions wanted to do with, with a nose tackle there. So I want to go around and like how you guys feel about the depth of the unit right now. And if you, if this brings any more uh, concern to your mind, well, as we kind of stare down the barrel of the upcoming season. 
for me, I, I guess there, there isn't, again, I don't feel like there's a, a, a big loss because I, I don't find John Pennessy needed to have been a good fit um, with what the Lions are trying to do, but it does kind of bring to light how kind of thin they are on that defensive tackle in general, because you, you have a Lee McNeil, you have Levi Onzerika, you have Michael Brockers. And then after that, it's, it's kind of question marks across the board. Um, you, you look at, you know, Josh Pascal is, is a guy that's probably going to play a lot of interior, but they, they still consider him more of an edge guy, at least on, on, you know, neutral downs. And then, and then who are we talking about? Uh, you know, Demetrius Taylor is a guy who, who he had an interception today in, in OTAs undrafted rookie. If, you know, the fact that he's even in the conversation is kind of a sign of like, Ooh, well, there's, there's kind of not that fourth guy. Deshaun Cornell is probably the leader in the camp right now. Former seventh round pick made it, made a few good plays during mini camp and, and, and OTAs. So um, he's a guy to keep an eye on for that fourth spot. But yeah, I think, I think there's definitely a battle for that fourth spot and Penny Cini was probably going to be a part of it. I just don't know if he was going to win it. Go ahead, Lauren. Um, you know, kind of like just, to, I don't know if I even have all that much more to add in regards to that one. Um, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see how it all works out. But like you said, considering that, you know, all, all, all in all, he really wasn't like looking to be like huge in the picture of like where we were going. You have to be okay with it. Um, interesting to see if we'll make any moves or anything, if we're still like, you know, even set at, um, at, at tackle, um, sure. at this, at this point. So two roster um, spots, could right? Be interesting. Yeah. could be interesting to see what we do this summer. Might yeah, I think it does open up the Lions to maybe. I know we've got a question in the mailbag about once again late free agent uh, free agents. We've kind of told people in past weeks like don't expect too much help coming over the pike, but there'll probably be a second order of guys who were cut June one. Maybe some of those become interested for the Lions now, just to kind of round out that roster. Uh, probably not a name we'll we'll have heard of, but someone who will do the who's probably been like a lifelong backup or something who's well, probably. Yeah, but the the lines essentially are like John Kaminsky when when they added him a, a week yeah. or two ago, and he's another guy like like Josh Pascal who will probably play a little bit inside. So so he's maybe maybe this benefits him a little bit and that he could get in the mix as as that interior guy, even though he has some um, edge edge experience as well. Yeah, I want to move on. Um, the other big news of the week, and this is kind of more of a fan thing. And, um, but I, I know Jeremy gets very excited for it. I know everyone gets very excited for it. Um, I know we're about 18 minutes in. Do we want to do this on the other side? Or do you want to try to like get to it right now? Up to you. Yeah, anyway, let, I mean, let's save it. Let's save it. Let, let's save it. Well, we're going to take a quick break. I mean, we say, we say save it. That's mostly for our live audience who now has to listen to us banter about food. If you're on the podcast, <laughs> we're taking a quick break. When we come right back, we want to talk about Inside the Den, which has become very quickly something everyone in Detroit seems to really love these, at least in the lion's sphere. And we're going to talk about it. We are joined, as always, by honored guest Lauren Moore, who was very generous to our, to our various charities we've given over the years and uh, more of those coming for next November as well. And, uh, we try to give back, as we say, this is a community of fans, and we try to be a voice for that community. So as always, thank you, Lauren, for your generous donations. She'll be with us as we continue on the Friday Detroit EODcast. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Friday Detroit POD cast. We are joined with Lauren Moore, one of our very generous donors. 
And as always, as a reminder, when Movember comes around, you could be the one if you give generously enough. We have spots in the future for more guests. And we're going to try to fit in some more guests here as we enter the summertime. You could be involved with ListCast. You could be involved with talking about a lot of fun stuff. And like, say, Inside the Den. New episode dropped. Uh, we don't really have too much brand new news alliance. So I feel like this is a great time to talk about Inside the Den, especially when it gave us some a great look inside the Lions war room during the draft and uh, which was fantastic. It was a very well ballyhooed draft and always a great fun time to go and revisit the, uh, the, uh, the draft in my book. So what'd you guys take away from it? What would you like most there? I mean, the first thing I loved is that it was 52 minutes long. Like it, it was Big almost like Chongo episode. It was like 50% longer than last year's episode. But I think I think the thing that stuck out to me most was just how perfect of a draft it seemed like the Lions got for those first four picks because you see the way that they talk about some of these guys and and again we, we talked about this a little bit on on the uh, Spotify Live like obviously there's there's editing points around where like if they're talking about a certain player that they don't draft they're going to cut that out so we're only hearing when they're talking about the players that they they do eventually draft but they clearly had a plan to get Jamison Williams um, and, and got him. They, they clearly at least, at least half the room was pretty happy, happy that Hutchinson got drafted. We saw kind of Dan Campbell do a nice little fist bump when, uh, when the Jaguars took who they did. Uh, and then, you know, they were talking about Kirby Joseph, like two hours before they ended up picking him. Josh Pascal was a guy that, that we knew already. It was, was someone they, they were planning on, on grabbing maybe as early as 32 or 34, if they didn't end up trading up. So I, I think just seeing how it played out, seeing how excited Brad Holmes got, despite the fact that he said he wasn't going to get excited this year, visibly excited this year, shows to me that the Lions absolutely love the top of their draft and, and legitimately so. It's not just it, it wasn't just kind of like talk with the media that we heard afterwards. They are legitimately thrilled with everyone they got in those first four picks. Yeah, I want to know Lauren's favorite moment from inside the den. And like Jeremy mentioned, 52 minutes of it. So <laughs> if it's hard to narrow it to one, then then just let them all loose. So I had an observation. I want to know everybody else's opinion. It appears to me that the energy that uh, Brad uh, gets when, um, when he makes a pick for a guy that he wants uh, scares Sheila a little bit. She almost seems scared when he's coming <laughs> in for the hug. I don't know if anybody else noticed that, but like... You gotta love. You gotta love the. Uh, I mean, that's just like true, clearly. Just you know, <laughs> the guy knows what he wants, and when he when he you know gets that gets that picket, I, I you, you love to see the excitement. For He's him. a huggy guy. He's a big, huggy guy. Big guy. Big guy and a lot of energy. So yeah, I mean, what he? I mean, they need oh. to add like padded things to to each table, right? Because year one, he just he slams a a a, a pen that goes flying 10 feet in the air. And then this year he does it again. And a binder goes flying off the table. Like, yeah, he's and that that's definitely a little intimidating. If you're in the room, like, Oh, geez, you could tell he was trying to like contain himself for sure. Absolutely. But I actually have a question for you, Jeremy. What I okay. was uh, curious, if you feel that the, that kind of adds to your conspiracy or like your, your, I would say your worry about Brad Holmes getting too locked in a little bit certain players. Yeah. I mean, there, there's that, kind of persists and that I think Josh Pascal was kind of the, the thing that fed into me concerned about that more, but at the same time, if they were considering drafting him at 32, 34, like they clearly had a high grade on him. And so even though maybe nationally Pascal felt like maybe a minor reach and, and we've learned that since that other teams were probably interested in him as a second round pick. So probably not that much of a reach, but yeah, I mean, it, it did a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Like, seeing how in on specific players they were. And again, we have to always acknowledge that there's a lot of the cutting room floor that, that we don't see. Um, so maybe they were banging the table for someone else um, after, after him or before him. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it's not, it's not like, I don't want to over exaggerate how big of a worry that was, but I, I would say this did nothing to necessarily dissuade me from thinking like maybe they need to chill out on, on falling in love with one or two guys every year. I am watching this again, and I forget what point this is, but I'm watching Brad Holmes. He slams the table so hard, I think a book falls off. Yeah, the binder slides <laughs> off. Yeah, the absolutely. binder slides off. Like, I think that's when they traded up for JMO. I can't. I can't. Uh, I yeah. don't remember off the top of I, my head. That, that, okay, that was when Chris Olavia was taken. 
So right before. Oh, really? Right yeah. before he sent out the trade. The trade. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's exciting to get to see these guys get uh, psyched up. And like, I remember even from the other side of it, like you'd hear some of those calls Dan Campbell would send out to guys too, just all business. Like nice, nice hot cold there. Here's Brad Holmes jumping around. And then here's Dan Campbell. Like he's kind of vibing is like, this is what we're here for, man. This is what we're here for on inside the den. And then you hear, you know, him call guys. It's like, are you ready to get to work? Let's go. Want to bring you to Detroit, make you a lion. Well, that, that Jameson Williams trade was that was probably one of the more thrilling parts of the video, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, we, I mean, we obviously knew we, we had seen Kwesi's side of the call, which is, and that, that part isn't really the interesting part. The interesting part is when the New Orleans Saints jump right in front of where they were going to trade, and 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 then you see the Lions' reaction to the New Orleans Saints are on the clock, and they're all like, "Oh my God, we know the Saints want a quarterback," well, and then a receiver. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, a wide receiver. They probably want a quarterback. They, they wanted one of those too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, you see, like, just kind of like a, a, everyone beside themselves, and then one voice comes from the back of the room. It's Chris Spielman. He's like, maybe they want Chris Olave. Maybe, maybe they want a guy who's ready right now. Maybe they don't want to wait for a guy like Jameson Williams. Who's, I mean, if the Lions haven't made it clear with with what they said on that video, they've certainly made it clear. During OTAs and minicamp, Jameson Williams is not going to start week one. Can can we just like can we all come to terms with that right now? Like he's not going to start week one. Um, he's he's almost certainly going to be on on pup. I would imagine during the regular season, which means he misses four games, maybe more. Anyways, um, yeah. So so uh, Spielman's out there like trying to put bo- positive vibes out there, and then Dan Campbell joins and he's like, "No, we're going to get him, Brad. We're going to get him. We're going to get him." And then and then you see the reaction to Chris Olave being picked, and and that's when. Brad Holmes goes nuts and the rest of the room goes nuts. And and like Brad Holmes books it to the, to the phone, right? He's like, I got to call the Vikings right now. We got to get this done because that's, that's the one thing that we continue to know about Brad Holmes is like, he is not waiting in the first round. The, the NFL might want him to wait 10 minutes to make his pick, but he's calling it in, in the first two minutes. And I, I love think, it. I think the stuff that stood out to me was uh, Kirby Joseph. First off, I remember watching the Kirby Joseph video on draft night. I think mm-hmm. we showed it on stream. Like just everyone going nuts there. But like, even Dan was like sitting there with probably his eighth coffee, just being like, I can't believe Kirby Joseph's still there. It was like, he's, he was clearly locked in. He wanted, he wanted to get Kirby Joseph, wanted to, wanted to see what he could do. So I, I, I know we've talked obviously at length about the Lions draft and stuff like that, but I'm interested to, to hear what Lauren thinks of the Lions draft. Like maybe like favorite pick, maybe least favorite pick. Uh, good question. So um, I do love, personally, I love the Hutch pick. I really do. Um, you know, being a Michigan fan, I watched him all last year. So I'm pumped to have him. I think he's going to be a great fit. Um, a surpriser that I'm very excited to see um, is actually James Houston and how they actually end up utilizing him sure. and see what we can get out of him. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, we, we did that podcast, Ryan, with, with, the, with yeah. the Jackson State guys and they, they love that kid. And, and it's easy to see why that, that tape is just, he's so disruptive and kind of the interesting development that maybe I'm reading too much into it, but um, from, from minicamp, from, from OTAs, it seems like they tried him out the, at the linebacker position. They tried him out at edge and it seems like he's spending more and more time with that edge group. And it, it and, and that makes sense, right? Like, I mean, that's where he, he found his, his success. And we, we saw the video of Deion Sanders telling him, you know, very boldly, like, Listen, if, if it was going to work out at linebacker, it would have worked out, but it's not. And so I feel like that's where it, it's trending, where he's going. Um, he is still splitting time, though. I, I, I want to reiterate that, like at OTAs today, he spent five, 10 minutes with, with the linebackers and then maybe the remaining 15, 20 minutes with, with the edge guys. But what definitely one of the more fascinating picks, I agree. Ryan, was there anything from, from inside the den that you wanted to talk about? I know, like the, the one thing that we didn't talk about, and I know you were a big fan of it, was behind the scenes NFL combine interviews, right? Like that was a huge thing that we never really get to see at all. And and we got it for, I want to say over like half of their, their picks. Yeah. I think it was all the way up through Kirby. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They had, they had, um, they had those. I, yeah. I mean, how, how can you not love Kirby Joseph just getting hype over his own tape? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know, s- sit that boy down. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, that was a highlight, but um, yeah, I, I think, I think one of my favorite parts was obviously Antoine Randall just poking his head through the door because <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he's so Turtle. excited about the GMO pick. So turtle. 
<laughs> but also fun story about that uh because we got to talk to randall l today uh he didn't know that that went public <laughs> oh really so, yeah so we told oh, him well, like oh yeah we we all saw the video of you kind of poking your head he's like y'all saw that and then he turns to one of the lions <laughs> guys he's like i didn't tell you guys didn't tell me you were gonna put that out there <laughs> that, that, that kind of that kind of makes me uh, excited now for hard knocks knowing that there's some of those guys in there who are so fired up and gung-ho they might not know the cameras are rolling yeah. Oh, they're not going to change. I, I really oh, don't. No, absolutely not change for the cameras. Like, and, and Antoine Randall, he's also said the past couple, like, because he had that quote during, I think it was the senior bowl week where he's like, yeah, I hope we, we draft or we, we get a guy in free agency and we draft two. And, and ever since, you know, the Lions got one in free agency and, and it, you know, t- technically used true draft picks on one guy. He's been like, I said too much. I shouldn't have said all that. Yeah, I, listen, these guys I, are former. These guys are former players. They wouldn't shut up when it was NFL films and being mic'd up. They're not going to shut up now, right? And yeah, like, uh, is is Antoine Randall not going to be so forthcoming with the media going forward? I think he's going to have a hard time holding back. Look, man. Again, I NFL films. You watch NFL Network on a given day. How many of those guys, even in the two thousands, are just talking up, even though they know they got microphones pointed at them? Yeah, you can't stop it. Uh. Is that it on there? Do you want to move on to minicamp a little bit here? Yeah, we can move on to minicamp. I think that was a good reason. So I want to I want to pass this on to Lauren because we do have um, we have our minicamp observations going on. So and we have here the man himself who gets to be there every day, as he tells us all the time. So I don't know if you have any questions for Jeremy about like if there's any like big pressing questions or like anything we can like try to answer or like I, I'm giving you the chance to be the adequate host now. <laughs> to, oh, frame, right. to frame mini camp discussion. <laughs> nice. Well, um, actually, one thing that I was curious about, um, I was kind of noticing that it's been quiet on Chris Board. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was wondering what your observations were um, on him because I it was, thought it was uh, interesting to see. I believe he was getting reps with the first team, correct? He was, um, yeah. And then I also like, uh, was wondering like what your thoughts are uh, with regards to Derek Barnes' growth so far. Um, seeing him this, this mini camp. So I guess kind of curious where, where, where the linebackers are looking. Yeah. It, it, it's a really good question. And, and it's something that I, we'll, we'll obviously get a, a better idea of when the, when the pads come on, because linebackers are a, a big thumping position that you can't get a, a full kind of, you know, evaluation on without the pads, but it is kind of interesting because it, it did seem like when we entered OTAs and, and mini camp, it, it, it was a, it, it was definitely, you know, Alex Anzalone on one side and, and Derek Barnes on the other side, but then Chris Ward started to take more reps, uh, first team reps. And really by the end of, of kind of that veteran part, it was mostly board taking first team reps. And, you know, the, the lines have a, a little bit of familiarity there w- with board. Um, and, and as, as Ravens day, Ravens day, right. I'm not getting him mixed up with someone else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, because, um, the, 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 the safeties coach spent some time with the Ravens and, and obviously different positions. So um, there's not a one-to-one comparison there, but I, I do think they like board a lot. Um, I, I think right now he's trending towards being the starter. Uh, you know, he has, he's one of the, the older guys in the room. And so I, I think, I think it's trending that way. Nothing's settled though. And, and that's, that's like the big point that they're all trying to make. Like Kelvin Shepard said today, like, I know Alex Anzalone is our dude. I know he has the most experience, but not even his job is safe right now, in my opinion. Like, so it, the the way we see things now, like I, I truly think it is. And I, I think they're being honest with that. Like, I, I don't think there's a player in there that, that has a financial um, requirement that, that has to be getting a bunch of starts. Um, and so it, it's, it's going to be a battle. And I'm curious to see if they, they kind of play around with those starting positions a little more during training camp. If, if maybe they do kick Alex Anzalone out just to see who can kind of step in there in the mic position and, and, and run the defense, so to speak. But I would say going into training camp, the favorites are probably Anzalone and, and board. And, and I wouldn't expect that to change between now and then. I'm sure you get to be able to get a better feel, you know, going in. Um, like once it's hard to say right now, it's not, everything's not full contact. It's not, yep. you know what I mean? To, for expectations and everything. Okay. For sure. I, so just, just real quick about the, the linebacker room, like, I think after our Spotify live this week that we had Jeremy, like I think I'm more concerned about the defensive line than I am the linebackers. Okay. Like I don't know why that shift is happening. Um, I don't know if it's part of me buying into the bloodbath competition that apparently is going to eventually emerge a couple of really, um, you know, uh, 
capable and uh, ready starters at that at that position. But like, I think with the defensive line and like the other thing that I think is a, a storyline to, to keep in mind is, you know, the health. Josh Pascal sure. um, with the, with the lower extremity injury that, that apparently is related to the injury that he suffered uh, in, in college and with his health and with Romeo Aquara's health and John Penasini retiring, like it, it seems like there's a lot of question marks along the defensive line and, and like even more, I think is going to be heaped on Aiden Hutchinson's plate, like in year one, sure. like, He's going to, he's going to have a lot of hats that he's wearing, especially like, um, like you've noted from your, you know, uh, mini camp and OTA observations of like Hutch, you know, kicking in playing three tech and then also, you know, playing outside. So, yeah, well, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to have a lot of those versatile pieces because I think I'm, I'm assuming most of your concern is, is on the, on the interior, right? Because they, they don't have a lot of proven depth there and, and, you know, Levi's another guy who's a huge question mark too, right? Like, yeah, health, yeah, health, health is the big question, and he didn't play particularly well when when he was quote unquote healthy as well. Um, so yeah, I think I think that remains a, a big concern. I I mean, this team absolutely loves Ali McNeil though, and and we saw flashes of it should. last year, yeah, and and I think he's going to be a better fit for what they're trying to do this year, and I, I also think Michael Brockers is going to be a better fit for what they're trying to do this year. Um, obviously there's a concern when, when you're up in your thirties at this point that you've already peaked as, as a player. And that's probably true with Brockers, but yeah, like there, there should be at least a moderate amount of concern for the interior of that defensive line, because it's so deep because it lacks that depth. And I mean, we just talked about in the first segment, like who is going to be in that fourth spot. Um, is there going to be a fourth spot? I, I would have to imagine they're keeping at least four defensive tackles. But the other point being is that they're, they're going to ro- rotate some of those edge guys. And I think I do think you should be excited about the edge position right now. Like yeah. even if Romeo Quars are washed, even if Romeo Quars starts the season on pup, you, you have Charles Harris coming back. You have Julian Quar kind of playing every possible position. You have obviously in Hutchinson. You have hopefully Josh Pascal um, at, at, at some point ready to, to go too. So I I feel good about the edge room. The interior, I think there, there's a moderate amount of concern, but um, there's also reasons for optimism too. But yeah, I think, I don't know if I'm as concerned about that as a, the linebacker group that I guess the linebacker group just has more bodies, right? Like it'll, it, there's more competition and the hope there is iron sharpens iron and, and someone emerges, emerges from, from that competition. Whereas it's just like, there's not a lot of bodies there at defensive tackle. Yeah, yeah. And we we've we've talked a lot of defense, so I'm 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 curious uh, to know from Lauren, like any any players on offense that you're uh, you're curious about their performance in in minicamp or OTAs. Uh, well, I believe I'm, as far as I know, like most of the wide receivers were getting mad props. But um, mm-hmm. could you want to elaborate a little bit more on like uh, Trinity Benson because it's been yeah pretty awesome seeing like the the positive um, stories coming out of like he was looking real good from what. Yeah, it, saying. yeah, absolutely. And it, it is it is kind of a night and day thing with him where it, it does feel real. And, and listen, like we didn't get to see Trini Benson practice at all last year. So it's possible he's one of those guys that when the lights come on, it, it, it doesn't shine. Um, but I, 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 I'm willing to at least buy some of the argument that they threw everything at him when, when he got here. You know, he got here after training camp. He's, he's basically playing 40 snaps a game right off the bat without any, you know, working with Jared Goff, without knowing the, the the system, all that sort of stuff takes time. And and there's a reason like people are wringing their hands about certain people missing off season program because it helps. It, it, it helps build chemistry. It helps all that sort of stuff. So the, the, the thing with Trinity Benson that, that really makes him a talented player is his speed and, and that speed, you know, shows up in the long form, shows up in the short form in terms of, you know, quick routes, quick area speed, um, being able to get open like that. And so I, I do think there's a legitimate of realness to the Trinity Benson hype. The question just is, where does he fit? Where, where can he fit in a roster that is so much better than it was last year? Because he's not, he's not going to be out Khalif Raymond. He's not going to ble- beat out Josh Reynolds. He's not going to beat out Aminara. He's not going to beat out DJ Chark. Um, Jameson Williams might not be on the game day roster. I, I still think he's almost certainly going to be pup. So maybe there's an open spot there it becomes kind of this battle that I think we all kind of feel brewing, which is him versus Quintus Cephas for, for a roster spot. And when you're that far down on the depth chart, it's going to come down to one thing. What does it always come down to when you're talking about roster spots at the end of the roster? Special teams, baby, special teams. And and they've been talking up 
I, I, again, I can't really speak to special team skills because again, no contact, but the, the one thing I will say is they're, they're giving Trinity Benson some serious looks at special teams. And, and really quick, the, the, the one thing I noted last week during camp was they were doing second team gunner drills and gunners is a, is a pretty important position on special teams. Trinity Benson was with the second team. Quintus Cephas was with the third team. So I was about in mind. I was about to say, we have a mailbag question about Trinity Benson. So, oh, well, I may have just spoiled it. <laughs> well, we'll recap it real quick. And that's a great way to jump and say that we're moving on to mailbag, shall we? We've got sure. plenty of questions this time around. We'll open this up. Lauren gets a chance to help uh, answer some questions too. Mailbag, so, mailbag, mailbag. <laughs> you have to bring it back. What, the Blues Clues theme? Yeah. Oh, man. See, I, I sit there playing it and I'm like, do I even have the rights to play it anymore? <laughs> But to be clear, we, we never had the rights. No, we never had the <laughs> rights. We never had the rights. It's just that in the world of podcasting, now more people pay attention to right. like that kind of stuff. Whereas like it was cool to remix that stuff. It was fair. I thought it was fair use, but now like D- DCMA is ruthless. So the only thing we had the rights to was Alex's whale <laughs> at the end of it. Yeah. Whale? Whale? <laughs> I need to get it. We should have him just re-record the entire Blues Clues theme of him singing it. Karaoke. I'm I'm not against that. Just load him up on three dirty bastards and let him rip. <laughs> Does Alex even work for Prada Detroit anymore? Wow. wow. Shots God fired. Damn. Ryan on his way out of All a right. two-week break. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan's about to shots. Piece. <laughs> we will be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Mail time, hashtag ask POD. As always, get your questions in any time of the week or just wait for the post. Um, we need to bring back the hashtag a little bit more because I think people are just waiting for the post and firing off questions. But hey, either one. PSA, you can always send us questions, True. especially in the summertime because I know the mailbag does go away at different points of the year, but this is the type of year where we leave. We're going to need them. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, before we do that, we have, uh, wow, we have a lot of reviews. Jeremy, we are one review away. We might yes. already have 600 by the time we you're hearing this on the podcast feeds. 599 reviews. We have like seven new ones. Uh, yeah. We can pace ourselves. So which ones do you want to read? I'll just read like the first three, let's say. And yeah, like we we are one. I want to read it. One sure. away from being the first Detroit Lions podcast ever to cross 600 Apple Podcast reviews. That's impressive. No do, you, do you know how many reviews we have on Spotify? Because I just I checked. Should tell me. Three hundred and eighty-four. So dang, I mean, you put those numbers together. We're gonna join the comma club. That's right. I was gonna say, and um, what was what's our rating? Do they still show the rating on there? Yeah, four point nine. Boom. Still holding, still holding steady at four point nine on Spotify. That's right. Yeah. So you don't. You, we can't read any reviews because there there aren't any written reviews over on on Spotify. But if if you do give us a, f- a five star review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it. Like this one from someone named Deflator. Uh, I'm sorry, no, we already read read Deflators. Let me skip back up to Hala ta, Hala Hala Tabala Hala Tabala. Thank you. Um, and I'm only going to read the positive part of this review. Uh, who gives uh, five stars as one of the top lines podcasts. The POD crew has continued to provide solid content and are great at giving different perspectives while encouraging the audience to participate. Yes. All about building a culture here. We're a culture podcast, just like the team. Uh, and then next review comes from CAD golfer. Five-star review says I'm a huge fan. They do a great job. And I love the chemistry of the group. Three exclamation points. Four in the first sentence, Ooh, just in case you're yes. keeping track. Uh, and then this one from, oh boy, E. Tyson, we'll say. E. e Tyson. I think you're supposed e. to say Tyson. Yeah. Uh, SFSD. Sorry if I got that wrong. Says POD is a great pod. Five stars. Thanks for, thanks for the great show. I enjoy listening to every episode and truly appreciate the honest takes on all lines topics related, uh, all topics related to the lines. Appreciate all the reviews, everybody. Keep them coming. Let's Be that 600. Th- you want to, I can do I one wanna- more. Yeah. Can I, can I read it or get it? It's yours. All right. DeVito two, three, one, nine. You see, I wanted to get the guy who sounds like he's Italian. Yeah. There you um, go. 
S tier lions podcast, variable, very enjoyable podcast that covers everything. Lions, even things that probably don't need covering guilty. That's that's true. That's true. Guilty. Uh, the Spotify live green room, live call in, whatever it's called now <laughs> is next level. This is a must listen. Appreciate that. That's great. All the reviews very much appreciate it. If you want to be that 600th, we don't have a prize for you, but do it anyways because we like you. That's all we I do. We do. We like you. Let's do. Let's do uh, the mail. What you got for us, Ryan? Yeah, uh, I got. I got some good questions in here, um, and we're gonna start with Doctor Smith at. I, I like. I like this person's handle uh, at Tayshon's underscore block. Yes. Um, <laughs> th- this is a question. If Swift and Hawk both get the injury bug again this year, is it time to look for replacements, more depth, or run it back again? And I'm going to throw it to Lauren first. Um, how how do you feel about Swift and Hawk? And uh, if they do get bit by the injury bug again, is is it time to to move on? Uh, I am definitely in that camp. Um, the best avail uh, the best ability is availability. You need to get that from your players. Obviously, um, it's, it's just, it's hard to justify, um, shelling out. I would say more so for Hawk. Um, I think you can have a higher demand obviously than, uh, um, than Swift would, but, um, hard to justify it. If you know, you can't, you can't depend on it. I think that, you know, both tight end running back more. So, um, you know, definitely can, can find replacements in the draft. No problem. Uh, especially the way that they, they have come, you know, lately these last couple of years. So, um, I would be hesitant if, if the injury bugs are hitting again, for sure. Music to Jeremy's ears, right? <laughs> Running backs are replaceable. Yeah. I, and yeah, I, I feel like he's a little bit more replaceable than, than TJ Hawkinson. And like, I know, I know there's this narrative that Hawkinson is an off injured player, but in reality, like he's missed four, five, nine, nine games in, in three years. In, in all honest, that like, that's not that much. I would say that's probably pretty close to average for an NFL player. Um, and, and when he's been out there, he's been a pretty unique talent. And listen, he, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that that dude needs to be a better run blocker and, and the lines know it. He knows it. It's something that they're, they're very clearly targeting to, to improve this year, but he, there's just not a lot of tight ends that, that are able that they have really the skill set of, of him as a, as a receiver. Um, and, and he's still young and, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like you're really going to see him thrive this year. And if the injury bug hits him, it hits him. Swift, it, it's tougher for me. And, and again, like he's only missed seven games in two years, but he's also been limited, right? Like he's only started eight games in two years. And this is a second round pick. If you're expecting that dude to start every game, essentially. And I know the lines like to do running back by a committee. And that's true of the, the previous regime too, but I don't know. I, I need to see more out of, out of Swift and, you know, say what you will about, you know, OTA season, best shape of your life, but the dude does look physically different this year. And so, and, and we saw, we, we heard Deuce Staley kind of offer him that challenge of, of playing through being hurt versus injured. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if he, if he can do it, but if he can't, he's got one more year, one more year on his contract and, and you'll obviously want to play it out, but I, I think I think regardless of what happens with Swift this year, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Lions dip into the running back market next year. I'm kind of on the opposite side, if only because I feel like if both of them are injured and you want to bring like one of them back, I think Swift would probably is the more quotable solution as far as like a cheaper deal. Um, and obviously, yeah. you probably yeah. you need to run with more running backs than than tight ends at the end of the day. So like you could easily knock Swift down. For, I mean, he's probably not going to be your RB one moving forward, but there could be room on the roster if he's like RB two or even RB three. Who knows? Yeah, man. I I just I just feel for Lions and running backs. I mean, yeah. carry on Johnson, Amir Abdullah, <sighs> Javid Best. Like, and I mean, I'm I'm still it's within cursed, this decade. Man. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm still within within a decade. So uh, let's let's have a a more. Uh, positive question i guess i should say uh kyle ham at Brockastar on twitter imagine you're given the power to prevent any injuries from happening for one position group this year which position group would you choose lauren which which position group are you wrapping in bubble wrap uh this this season 
Um, for me personally, it's going to be our cornerbacks, um, our DBs and keeping them healthy. Um, I just, I just feel like a, a full year, um, of, you know, Akuda is so vital to his development. hundred, I mean, hundred percent. I think it, we, we talked so many times on this podcast about how that was one of the biggest things the Lions lost out on last year is the development of that young room, whether it's him, um, you know, even, even a guy like Jerry Jacobs would have probably benefited from a last month of the season that he didn't get. And, and if Atu Melifanu missed what, eight, nine, 10 games in the yeah. middle of the season there. And so, AJ Parker missed some time too. So I, I think, I think that's probably the answer. Like, and I mean, you, you could always go quarterback too, right? Like Jared I was going to take that injured. one off yeah. the table. Yeah. yeah. I did want to answer quarterback just because not even for keeping golf around, but like at least making sure that everyone else on the offense can get practice with at least that tier of quarterback rather than having Tim Boyle throw to them. Like at, at the very least for development of, even if, even if you don't believe in golf long-term, like development of the wide receivers is probably better if it's Jared, if Jared Goff is healthy. No question. I, the, I'll throw one other group in there and that's offensive line. Just because I want to see, I want to see we were hyping up this offensive line all off season. We were hyping it up all last season and we didn't get a single snap of our five starters together. So I, I would love to see an entire season of, of what they can do and if they can live up to the hype because it seems like on paper it's a pretty talented group. And when's the last time the Lions had a top five any position group? Mm, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while since I fell. I mean, what, what would you say? Would you say, I mean, wide receivers? Megatron, Golden Tate? Maybe. I mean, Nate Burleson, maybe that defensive maybe line, maybe that defensive line in 2014, maybe, maybe, but maybe. It, well, hey. it all felt like it was missing an edge rusher, but anyways, that's true. Yeah. We, we, we have a question semi related to that. Speaking of getting the band back together from, uh, at great Scott 98 on Twitter, any chance Alliance pick up the phone and call Sue now that John Penasini is retired. I we, don't we got this question a lot on, on the Spotify live, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I just don't like, does that make even make sense for Sue at this point? He's at the end of his career. He's going to want the most money he can. I, I understand he probably want, like, it would be cool. I think he's probably considered a reunion, but at this point he's either wants the most money he can get, or he wants to get another ring to add to what, what's going to come at the end. And the lions can't really offer him either at this point. Yeah. I, th- I think you nailed it. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past the lines to, to look. I mean, there's, there's no reason not to look. I think he would be a, a, a decent fit in what they're trying to do. And we, we just talked earlier in this podcast about how the lines kind of have a, a lack of reliable depth uh, on the interior of the defensive line. So yeah, I mean, make, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them pick up the phone, but I just, I don't really see the fit on, on Sue's side as, as fun that, as that would be and how many lions fans would be able to dig into their closet and pull out their Sue jerseys for, for kind of a, a last hurrah for him, but I just, yeah, for him, it doesn't, unless, unless he holds Detroit as a special place in his heart. And I know, I know part of him does like he has business businesses in, in the Detroit area that, that he's involved with, but I don't know if he really views the team, the franchise, the city as that kind of as enough to want him to come back. And, and, and to be, to be very clear, when I say like, he's looking for the money at the end too, I can't fault him on that. As we said with Penasini, like, NFL, not for long. Like, you can't fault any guys for trying to get what money they can. Lauren, would you like to see Sue back? <laughs> would I like to? Would I be good with it? Um, absolutely. I would. Do I expect it? No. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it, it would be a really interesting reunion for sure to see what he could do. Um, but like you guys said, it's kind of interesting to see like, like where his priorities are now. Is it more money now that he has a Super Bowl? Is he really worried about getting another ring? Who knows? Yeah, you don't really know his own motivation. Where, where do you guys think he would fit in the culture? Do you think there he would be he would kind of fit into what they're trying to do with the culture? I think so. I could see him in like a veteran mentor role, especially on the defensive line. I I've seen him because like I've I've listened to him on like podcasts and all kinds of stuff after, and like man, he's he's deep, he's thoughtful, he seems like he's more than willing to kind of play that, and maybe maybe he does that after his career. He's kind of a hard cat to to pin down. He's got yeah. so many different interests. He's had such a weird career arc where I, I mean, I don't know if you can even say hall of fame. I think on the college side, he goes in. Absolutely. But yeah, like, agreed. I mean, best player I've ever seen not to win a Heisman. Um, like 
I, I think he would. I think he would like the culture here a lot. It, it, again, it's just he has he, he has more to offer Detroit than Detroit has to offer him at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, all right. Damian Smith at Indy Smith on Twitter asks, do you think that the national media's love for the Lions inversely correlates with the fall in esteem of the Cleveland Browns? So is this like a lovable losers question? They're just looking for the next- essentially. Yeah. Who like who who belongs in that category of lovable losers? And is there just like a a standard amount of love that you can spread out amongst these lovable losers? And so with everyone moving from the Browns, all that energy has to go somewhere. Can there only be one? Is that the thing? Is it even a lovable loser thing? Because I think it's it's hype based on the fact that it's like we're not going to expect them to lose. Like for the Cubs, they would try hard, but you kind of expected them to just burn out and it's like oh that's okay i think for the when it was for the browns and it was for the lions it's like oh they're actually building something here this is kind of it's more of a lovable redemption arc maybe but yeah cleveland's not played their hand well right and, and well and like another like the bengals they're they're not in that category anymore right oh they, they shot they, right up they've, they've established Bowl, themselves right? <laughs> um but yeah no i mean like i don't i feel like this kind of cheapens the idea that the Lions praise isn't earned because I, I, I mean, listen, I, I know they've only won three and a half games under, under Dan Campbell and, and you don't, you don't celebrate accomplishments that aren't there, but I, I think more than just being a lovable loser, more than just being like, Oh, this is an interesting team with a crazy head coach. Like there are legitimate people out there. It's like, they see what they're trying to build. And I think that's the thing. Like, we've talked so many times about how to rebuild this franchise and like what, what franchise they should model. How, how, how can they be the Steelers? How can they be the Patriots? What, like how do they forge this identity that's similar to these teams that have been contenders for so long? And I think we're finding out the answer is, and it sounds, it sounds corny, but I think the answer is find your own identity. And, and who are the lines modeling themselves out of? I don't know. I haven't seen this before. And that's to me where, where the intrigue is coming nationally. It's like all these former coaches, you're, you're getting kind of this, this, or all these former players, as former coaches. players as coaches, right? You're, you're, you're really hammering home the, the culture thing, which, you know, culture isn't necessarily a new thing, but to, to hammer it home in the way that the lions are seems very unique and uniqueness gets at national attention. I, that, that said, I do think there is a little bit of element of new hotness to it. Like we've seen this run through with the Jaguars and the Jaguars kind of played their hand. As we said, the Browns kind of stepped away. There is, there is someone I feel like in the new, in the younger NFL national media, like they do like having the one underdog to root for the team that's going to turn it around. And yeah, in the past, I think you had a good cast. Like I think you even saw it with the Raiders for a while, but again, all those teams have made play have hit playoffs. Lions haven't. And they're, they're a bit of a, uh, I mean, uh, again, to the credit of some of them, they've been around, even though like when it was brand new Dan Campbell head coach, they were on board for it. But I think there this year, particularly, there is some new hotness to it. When guys start like saying you should take the over at six and a half wins. How do you feel, Lauren? Well, I mean, I think there's definitely part of it too, is people having an entire season um, and seeing how they've responded to Dan Campbell. And whatnot, because, you know, I think the narrative more last year was very much like we don't know what to expect, but um, it seems like the guys are just getting a meathead. This is going to give us great, um, great, you know, headlines. But um, what do we really expect on the field? I think now they're they're seeing a full year of what we've been able to accomplish him and his, um, you know, relationship with Brad Holmes and what they've been able to do together. And um, it's just nice to see people taking notice. And I mean, shoot, I just hope that we are soon in the same conversation as doing what the Bengals did, right. um, being the next uh, Buffalo Bills, you know, yeah. um, guys are finally doing the right things, getting the, um, the right culture set, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's weird seeing Mina Kimes right. tweeting about us and then giving like a, a once a week uh, lines Update. back now. Um, right. It's weird, but I love it. It's it, that's interesting too that you bring up the Bills and Bengals because I I guess like that that had kind of gotten lost on me that to not that the Bills are historically awful like obviously they have all those Super Bowl losses but um 
you know, maybe maybe there is something to more parody than than meets the eye with the NFL because I think a lot of people are on the like. There's really no parody in the NFL as much as they try with draft order and salary cap. There isn't as much parody as you think, and and that's partially true, but it might it might be changing a little bit here. Yeah, I think to that point, right, Jeremy? Like a, a lot of it is just like, do you have do you have a dude at quarterback? Yeah. If if that you helps. do, then th- that that helps a lot, and that's what keeps a lot of those teams who have dudes at quarterbacks um, playing really well. Um, all right, from Dan Pask uh, at Dan's Marmite on Twitter uh, for later today. I what I love Dan. Dan's good. Dan's one of the good ones. <laughs> I, can't, um, I can't keep which Brits in my head. You have Beef Swift. It's, it's... yeah. Uh, even in light of the recent running back devaluation, what would adding Barry Sanders do to our 2022 Detroit Lions? How far would we go this year? Are we sure he meant um, Barry Sanders and not Barry the the TV show the character? TV show, yeah. The, 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 the hitman? The hit <laughs> Bill Hader? Well, Barry, Barry yeah. goes in and takes out like the opposing coaches the night before. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, no, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Barry's, Barry's a cheat code. Like, I don't even care, like, the devaluation of, of running backs or whatever, like, the way yeah, he no played. debate. It's, it's, it's yeah. I mean, we're going to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> we get Barry Sanders. Yeah, I mean, no. that's, that's okay. we're talking Derrick Henry levels of, like, <laughs> this is how your team will be able to run the, Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, probably even above that on, like, how that changes, how you approach your entire offense, if you have Barry Sanders, even today. And, and the, 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 well, okay, go ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to surprise you with my take here because what was, what was the narrative always around Barry Sanders specifically when it came to Emmett Smith, his comparison to Emmett didn't Smith. have the great offensive line. Well, he certainly would now, wouldn't he? Ooh. Yeah. I mean, Hey, you remember the last time that Jared Goff had a really good running back? Mm. I it's know all coming Lauren, together here. You, you love I'm with Lauren Super Bowl. You are in that full narrative that if the Lions just have a Todd Gurley, then Jared Goff will suddenly be a Pro Bowl quarterback again. Uh, would it hurt? Would not I guess hurt the, the question really is: Is there a a running back, it, even in the mold of a Barry Sanders, that kind of succeeds in today's NFL? Because that's I think that's the biggest question: Is has the game changed enough that a Barry Sanders wouldn't be Barry Sanders anymore? I think when it comes to like, I just don't think there's anyone who can do what Barry Sanders did as well as Barry Sanders did. Oh, that's definitely true. So I think that it makes it a hard question to answer because we don't have a Barry Sanders analog. We we just have guys like Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry who run hard and run fast. And that's what I'm saying. Like that's the kind of running back that succeeds in today's NFL is those workhorse guys that are very physical. And that's not who Barry was. I, I guess the closest thing to that kind of success right now is what, like Alvin Kamara? Is that fair? Yeah, I mean he he's got some power to his game, but I, I guess I'm, it's disingenuous to say that like Barry had had nothing. Like, oh you know yeah, I mean, hundred. Like, I think we over like like there were some good offensive. Barry line. had juice. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yes. Sorry, I thought you were talking about their offensive line, but yeah, no, he he had juice, but he's not trucking guys out there like Derrick no, Henry. No. Right. But that's because um, he can, he doesn't need to truck guys. He just yeah. needs to break their ankles. True. But but defenses are faster now. Like that I guess that's my overall policy. Like yeah. outside of in, unless your name's Matt Patricia and you want 260 pound linebackers, most people are trending towards getting faster in the back seven. And that makes it tougher for a guy like Barry. But but I guess my uh, point is like it's easy to find like analogs to past really great power yeah. run guys today because they're still doing that but all of the shifty guys they're just not as good as barry sanders at all period like even taking away that they're playing against probably better defenses than barry did like they just don't have those physical traits and that that skill that barry had pf a a pff nerd like pff moo would hate barry sanders (laughs) (laughs) for all for all of his no for all for all of like barry's like negative carries you know what i mean like he'd be like no he's not efficient enough (laughs) technically you know points added by those negative plays was (laughs) offsets all the positive get out of here nerds (laughs) i did not think we were going to turn into the podcast that are yelling at their analytic nerds we'll do that every well 
if 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 they were if they were to come for somebody like Barry Sanders, I that's true, I all of a sudden I, I would I would fight very swiftly. <laughs> another another fight. Mm, whoa. I think we're good with mailbag. Did we Are close we it out? Mailbag? I'm looking at the timer. I think you're, you're the sack master. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unless you oh, got one I more. Am, I think we got um, maybe one more, but I uh I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say. Uh, but I think we're good. I, I think I I think we're tapped out. Ryan, we're gonna miss you for the next few weeks. As, Thank as, you. as is customary to say when someone's about to have a child have a good baby i'm gonna try <laughs> lauren lauren thank you so much for your generosity thank you for joining us it's been very fun thank you're, you guys so much for having me this was part like, of, this is an absolutely awesome experience i really appreciate yeah. it you're part of the close pod family now you can say oh, you wow. work for the pod cast <laughs> there you go give that badge out yeah i uh, tell no, you what thanks again i appreciate it no guess what you get to sign us off too no, 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 don't do that to me. <laughs> not, doing it. not doing it. Come on. Just 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 throw something out there. Just have a great time or something. I don't know. Are we gonna see you star side? Nailed it. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs>what does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape this is scott galloway host of the prop g podcast and an entrepreneur myself right now we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship we're answering your questions on work-life balance how to raise capital for your business and more because when you're an entrepreneur it's always important to look ahead at what's to come so tune into the future of entrepreneurship of prop g pod special sponsored by mercury you can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.